everyone, and welcome to another episode of Don't Wait Till Pigs Fly, a podcast conversation to share their secrets of thriving while living with chronic illness. Here's Nancy Becker. Hey everyone, welcome. Did you know that one out of every two adult Americans lives with at least one chronic illness? often called hidden illnesses. The disability community is the largest minority in the world. Yet instead of feeling inclusive and wrapped in camaraderie, most of us feel alone, unvalued, and unworthy. We need doctors who understand us, colleagues and family members who believe us when we tell them something about our health. Just knowing the simple fact that we are not alone and still have much to offer can be life-changing. In this podcast, we share tips and strategies, knowledge and support, in other words, hope for those who are looking for resources to help them maintain a thriving, successful life. Do you feel alone, unworthy, and disabled? Not true. You are worthy. You are valued and you are valuable. Join us in the organization Invisible Warriors to find resources, training, prayers, advocacy in the medical and pharmaceutical industries, and support with others who get you and what you're going through. You can be successful just differently than before. And guys, today we have someone who personifies that in so many ways, and I really can't wait to jump in and have this conversation with Melissa Farmer. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much. That was such a beautiful introduction of like a message of hope and just seeing the inner strength. That was that that was really beautiful. Well, thank you. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell I really believe in what I'm doing. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you and for having me on. Absolutely. And tell us a little bit about who you are and why we've connected and why I think so much of you. <laughs> Well, um, I have had a long journey through a lot of different uh, realms that are relevant for chronic pain. I studied chronic pain as an academic for about 14 years. Uh, I specialized in diagnoses of exclusion. So these are the diagnoses where there's nothing that is, you know, that they can find on a, a scan or a physical test, but then you see someone in front of you and they're suffering. So I did brain imaging research uh, with these uh, with these people, and I listened to a lot of stories. And I, over the years, felt like academia wasn't a place that created useful knowledge uh, that was being shared with people who were actually living with pain. And so I began a business, Avo Health, uh, with a chronic pain patient and with my mentor, and. Uh, our, our vision was to try to create uh, some link between the science and the, the experience of pain. How can we get tools to people who, who need it? But also during this time, I had my own health crisis and I learned from first person uh, perspective what it's like to live in that misery and to have to go through all of this steps, sort of, you know, all of the depths and working through all of my layers of ego to try to find my inner strength, which is exactly what you're talking about. And so one of the things I'm really passionate about is listening to individual stories and trying to understand 
where each person's strength is and how they can be supported. And sometimes it's just being listened to. Sometimes it's, you know, problem solving together. Sometimes it's education. But that question is still open and, and changes with every single person I meet. Absolutely. And that's and that's exactly what we're trying to do here is to let everyone know that while you are unique and while what's going on in your body is not the same thing that's going on in anyone else's body, it is in many, many ways. We all have pain. We all have, for me, it's exhaustion. It's, you know, uh, brain fog. I, some days I don't even know my name and it's, you know, what am I doing? Why am I here? And, and I'll, then I'll hear other people say, oh yeah, my brain fog's really bad today. So I, I get exactly what you're talking about, <laughs> you know. Um, I'm going to just jump right in one of the, and I agree totally. And you have a, you have a program that you're working on right now that I think is fantastic. And I'm one of the the testers on it, but it's a lot of it is about positive self-talk and, you know, I can, I can sit here and I've had arguments with people where I'll say, I got up and went out today and for an hour I was out in the sunshine and the fresh air and I didn't feel so much pain. Mm. I got home and then I was really hurting again and I had to go to bed. But that hour I was out was so nice because I was able to do things. And people say, well, you're not as bad off as I am. <laughs> you know, oh. <laughs> Because they don't believe that there's anything that they can do to relieve what they're going through. So they don't have the positive talk. All they have is the negative. Mm -hmm. So how do you convince someone to use the positive? So that's, there are, are a couple of ways to look at this. And one of the ways I, I, like to talk about is there are two different systems in the brain that help us feel reward. One of them is an internal sense of relief. So this is what a lot of people with pain and even other symptoms focus on. And that's the reward of neutrality. We're just feeling normal. And it's something that most people who don't have, you know, chronic conditions, they don't appreciate it nearly as much as they should, but it's that relief of not having discomfort. Then there's another reward system in the brain, and that's the reward of feeling motivated to look in your environment, to move towards something that makes you feel good. And one of the things that I feel is um, a lot of approaches toward symptom management and pain management only focus on the relief part whenever you also have this other system in place that helps you feel positive emotions it helps you feel hope it helps you feel the openness to to move to go out in the sun to enjoy it and both are sort of uh, both systems need to be worked out they they both need attention and they both need energy and sometimes you don't have a lot of energy for either and so one is, is emphasized over the other, but it's really, I, I don't want to oversimplify it, but it's almost like a muscle. Positive thinking is a muscle. 
And it doesn't have to be big things that you don't believe because the best messages to yourself are the things that you really believe. And I think that's actually the, what's underneath the resistance or the, the uncertainty about being more positive. It's if you don't really believe it, it doesn't feel true. It doesn't resonate with your daily experience then, then it, it doesn't feel good to do, you know, affirmations don't feel good to do. They don't feel true. And there's also a wisdom in that. I don't feel good right now. I don't feel good. I don't want to put on like a happy face. I don't want to pretend that I feel some way I don't. And in a sense, that's really honoring where you are. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, there's an extension of that where I believe a lot of the things that we develop these skills that we develop whenever we have illness for a long period of time are actually really beautiful resiliencies beautiful like integrity and values that we we develop that we don't recognize so i think that part of the issue there is being able to accurately see that even though after years you still hurt you've developed some amazing skills and amazing qualities. And just recognizing those is the first step yeah. toward being open to, to hope, for example. Yeah, I, I agree with that totally. The problem becomes if you're sitting there and you are telling the doctor or you're telling your husband or you're telling your best friend, you know, I... I just really hurt today. You know, there's there's something wrong. I know there's something wrong. And they come back and they say, I'm so tired of hearing you say that, you know, and, and comments like, you just are being lazy or you just don't want to want to do this or that or the other thing. So here on the one hand, you've, you've got this little kernel of, but I've been able to do this. That's that's trying to blossom. And then on the other hand, you got all the snow and cold and it's killing, it, you know, because you got all the negativity coming at you from the outside world. And that's exhausting. And, and you, you bring some, so there are a couple of things that, that that brought to my mind. One of the other skills that this really, I don't know, whenever we feel pain and, and whenever we're, we have chronic illness, there is a lot of value in learning to be your own support system, which a lot of people are just forced to do because we don't have that, that support from the outside. But whenever I hear sentences like that, critical statements, people only repeat things that they've heard themselves. So whenever you first said that, the first thing I, I thought was someone has told those people those exact things about themselves. And they integrated that into their, their view of how things work in the world. And they're repeating it back to you. In a way, those statements have nothing to do with you. That has everything to do with that person's worldview. Interesting. And, and they're kind of projecting it onto you, <clears throat> onto you, which isn't fair. 
No, but I, again, I think it takes education. I think it takes uh, getting out in the world and talking about these things and explaining yeah. these things and saying, hey, as someone who has a chronic illness, um, you you don't have to listen to anybody but yourself because you know what you can do, you know what you can't do, and you know how to do it in amazing ways. Absolutely. And this is one of the reasons why I think that there's a, a careful balance in, in patient communities where it's really good to have other people to share their experiences where you can get ideas. <clears throat> at the same time, <clears throat> um, at the same time, those other people's, so I guess what I'm trying to say here is that there's a balance between making sure that you feel like your experience is validated and to seek out other people who will validate the experience without gaslighting you because gaslighting is just so pervasive yeah. in, in this journey. Yeah. Um, that you know what to take in and what to block out. And I think that's probably the underlying message. Yeah. What, you know, whenever you hear a message and it's positive, take that in. And if you hear a message and it's negative, block it out. It away. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm going to join. Uh, join. Blah, I can't see. I can't talk today. I have a foggy brain day. Um, I'm going and yet to you're beautifully eloquent on your foggy brain day. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm trying. <laughs> Um, I'm going to jump to another subject that we've had this discussion before on, and it's something that not you and not our discussion, but the, the topic in general, something that bugs me, because there's a big difference between a disability, a visible disability and an invisible disability, and what is true for someone who has a visible disability and not to put that down in any way uh, because those things are rough and my visible disability is being in a wheelchair and I know how hard that is but when you look at the invisible disabilities and the diseases they're even that much more difficult because you've got all this negativity around you and you've got all this uh, talk about, come on, you're making it up. And, um, and so it, it's very, very interesting to hear people describe the two different levels of disability and what people say about it. And I have asked um, some of the visible disability gurus who call themselves, you know, disability and inclusion experts and all of that. And they're talking about, well, how hard is it to open a door, you know, or how do you get a wheelchair under a sink in a restroom in a, in, you know, a restaurant or something like that. And I say to them, okay, well, that's fine and dandy and important information, but what about for someone who has to take insulin three times a day and they need to keep that insulin in a refrigerator? Does your employer provide a refrigerator? Uh, no, you know, they don't, they don't see those kinds of issues as being important. 
then we take it one level further. And I was talking to a scientist the other day who's written books and papers and everything under the sun and is very well known. Um, and her whole idea about what chronic illness is, is that it is simply pain that does not go away. That is everything that there is to do with chronic illness. And I'm going, no, <laughs> you know, no, no, no. But I know what you talk about is chronic pain as well. So tell us what that means and how that's different than a chronic illness. That's a fantastic question. And before I go into my opinion on it, um, what you've described sounds like people who are, you know, taking on this, this, trying to, the first thing that came to mind is it's very hard to quantify disability period. Anytime mm -hmm. you say like, can you shut the door? Is there, you know, these simple measures, it's excluding another group of people where that isn't relevant. Mm -hmm. And also it seems to me like another issue might be that the people who are creating these guidelines or measuring these things don't have lived experience because the more lived experience you have, the more open you are and, and whenever you hear like, you know, something like, do you have a refrigerator for insulin? The answer isn't, no, I didn't even ever think of it. It would be, no, I hadn't thought about that. That's something we should do. It's mm -hmm. a different, it's a more open attitude. Um, so it, it seems one of the issues might be who, who is having these conversations? Who, who is, do they have lived experience? Which is one of the reasons why I think that you know, the more people who have lived experience with any of these conditions, the more you should get your voice out Thank so you. that you're educating. And no, it isn't your job to educate. Everyone should be trying to educate themselves, but it means that your perspective is adding to this collective knowledge of what it's like. So it's very valuable. And in terms of the pain versus the thing is, is people who experience chronic pain experience a lot of other things too, the fatigue, brain fog, etc. There is, for instance, a lot of the people who, in, in a sense, pain is one of the easiest things to quantify and to measure, which is one of the reasons why it's focused on so much. It's very difficult to measure fatigue. It's next to impossible to measure brain fog, except on, you know, maybe a measure of one to five, which doesn't capture mean? anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, so in a sense, it's sort of a cop-out in that it's one of the easier things to measure. It's one of the easier things to track. It's one of the either easier things to communicate about. But a lot of people with chronic pain have these same issues as people who their main concern isn't necessarily pain, but it's the fatigue, it's um, the exhaustion. So I, I don't think that um, in a sense, whenever I think about these different symptoms, it's the body responding to some type of stress. And I don't mean stress like just psychological. 
The stress could be the physical stress of living in this environment, you know, after a, a, a pandemic, mm-hmm. just the, the weight of that. It could be your daily activities. It could be exhaustion from a career that just isn't aligned with you. It could be from taking care of someone or like a child who needs a lot of assistance and a lot of love and just sort of doing the work of more than one nervous system. So there are lots of different reasons why you can feel these ways. Pain is just one of the ways it can manifest. And unfortunately, it's something that people tend to listen to and to take more seriously. And yeah, I, I have that. a really good friend who actually is on the board of directors of, of Invisible Warriors, and she has Lyme disease. She doesn't have pain. I mean, that is nothing that ever comes to mind when we have conversations, but she's dizzy. She's exhausted constantly. She has foggy brain. She has, you know, all these other things going on. She has swelling. She has, and that sounds a lot of like what I have with mine too, but she'll go to the doctor and the doctor says, well, you know, what's your pain level today? And she says, zero. And he says, well, then there's nothing I can do for you. Go away. You know, it's, it's just crazy. And, you know, I've got with my fusion in my one foot, I know for a fact that there's, because there's also a difference between acute pain and chronic pain. And it's when you've got acute pain, if I'm correct in my understanding, that's when they worry about it correct when it's when it's chronic pain it's oh well well I've had complex regional pain syndrome for nine years my one foot has been fused for three years and there is something going on with my foot it's not where the fusion is it's on the ankle on the side but nobody will look at it because they said well of course you've got RSD you've got pain you know and so they won't look at anything so it's very interesting to get the doctors to listen and to understand what we're talking about because the minute they hear I have pain it's over the conversation's over I'm so sorry that 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 I mean that it it the first thing that comes to mind is that 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 many doctors wouldn't know what to do in the first place yeah and that's a real problem, but also many doctors don't know what to do with Lyme disease, chronic Lyme disease, or many of these other chronic symptoms, they don't know. And there's this balance of, you know, there's something, you know, you could go down the rabbit hole of there's something wrong with the medical medical system, which is absolutely true. There's, there's some profound disconnect between the care that doctors give and what is really needed by people, which is just listen to me, hear what I'm saying. I know my body. I know that there's something weird going on here. Help me figure this out mm-hmm. versus what they know how to offer and what they can offer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that a lot of people are seeking uh, care in more functional medicine environments because those people are more motivated to do the problem solving, to do the detective work. And yet still, sometimes that's inaccessible, either for financial reasons or just, you know, geographical location. 
Um, but there's a it's a it's a crisis right now of people. Many different types of people are living with chronic conditions, and it's unclear how to even get people help that that's competent help. It often becomes a series of experiments where, you know, you then have to track yourself. Did this experiment work? Yes, no. And that puts a lot of load on the individual person to be able to make sense of of all of this knowledge. I know that also uh, some people who, um, some people with, with pain specifically that I've talked to recently have also described really heavy marketing focused on pain and health and recovery. So also from a person's perspective, they, like I've heard this recently, they feel inundated with all of these bids of attention Mm -hmm. to buy this product, to buy that product. And it just feels overwhelming and to the point of paralysis because, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to figure out something that helps. There are lots of options and there's no clear understanding of how to how to choose or pick or, or even if you wanted to, if it would be accessible. Yeah, the question, and I've heard it, and I've said it myself, I mean, I am probably one of the most vocal (laughs) of all of the people out there that have these things. And I've seen in the nine years since I had my accident, I've seen over 3000 medical professionals trying to get answers and you know that can be a nurse that can be uh, people in the hospital that can be doctors it can be but I've I have been keeping count and it's over 3,000 different medical people trying to figure out what the heck is going on with me and getting this answer from one and that answer from another one and that answer from somebody else and you know I look at my husband and I say what do I do you know, do do I, we just talked about the surgery I just canceled and, and I'm going, you know, should I go ahead and have the surgery? Do I not have it? Well, you know, do I go talk to somebody else? It's, it is very exhausting and very frustrating. And it's just, I don't know what to do. All I want is to feel better, you know, and, and it's, it doesn't look like it's coming anytime soon. So my question is, I mean, this conversation has gone really, really quickly and we don't have a lot more time, but my question is, is is there any hope? What can we do? What do we need to do to, when I, when I ask people in my program in, in the nonprofit that we run, I say, if there were one thing that you could fix what would that be? And they never, ever, ever say, make me well. That's never the answer. The answer is always find a doctor that listens to me. Hmm. And that just, it makes me want to cry because how do we do that? You know, something that occurs to me What that means is that there's a need to be heard. And the idea, I mean, as you've just said, seeing over 3000 medical professionals, they're being heard by a doctor isn't about getting the advice because obviously 
a lot of them don't have something meaningful to offer. But what I hear in that message is I want to be heard and I want to be validated. And I want someone to understand that I'm, I know my body. I know it isn't well, please hear me. Absolutely. And so one idea is that we can be that for each other, you know, and that, I mean, even just telling the stories, not in a way where, you know, you tell your story to a doctor, well, this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened, but having a, other, a group of people who you trust to tell your story to, and you know that they'll be open, you know that they'll know that you've been trying your absolute hardest the whole time, because we all are. Mm-hmm. So imagine being able to tell your story and to not be doubted and to be trusted and to be honored for like all the effort that you put into it. I think whenever you describe that, that's what I hear is the need. And I'm not sure a doctor is the best audience for that. So I, I, I wonder at the same time, I, I definitely don't want to, to doubt um, what these people are saying, uh, but it, it's, you know, something to explore in terms of maybe therapeutic storytelling is something to, to, to consider. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that we're doing in Invisible Warriors as we oh, have, beautiful. and we're going to be doing more of that is we have monthly um, conversations Uh, The one that we're that we have right now is called come to the table. And it's where anybody and everybody who feels that they have a challenge can come and be with other people that get it. And, and I joke and I say, this is not a place for whining. You can bring wine, (laughs) but you can't (laughs) whine. (laughs) It's, it's a place where we, talk together and share what's going on. And then we always have someone come in and talk to us who's considered a specialist or someone you could come and talk about what we've been talking about today, you know, and people hear that and get a message out of that. But it's really fun to watch where we have the longtime people who come every month and then we always have new people coming in. And my friend that I was talking about that has Lyme is always there. And a couple of months ago, another friend of mine that I've been trying to get to come for quite a while came and we're talking and, you know, you don't have to talk about your issues if you don't want to, It's but you can if you want to. And the one person had said, yes, I'm a longtime Lyme survivor and this and this and this and this. And the other person pops up and she says, you know, I was just diagnosed with Lyme this week. I have no idea what to expect or how to act or what kinds of things to do to alleviate most of what's going on. I am so glad that I got to meet you. And they now um, have gone offline and have become friends and talk on a regular basis. And I was talking to the one that has just recently been diagnosed the other day. And she said, you know, that was the most amazing thing. And it has helped me so much. 
And I go, good, that's what this is all about, you know, because there is somebody listening and there is somebody who cares. And I just... What a gift to have like a personal guide who's been there, who can... That's a... Oh, that's beautiful. And we're in the process right now of creating individual rooms within our um, community where if you've got fibro, you can go in and we're going to have experts that manage the fibro group. And we're going to have an expert who manages the Lyme group and the migraine group and all of these so that you can go in. And it's not going to be one of these places where you come in and you sit down and you bitch moan and groan. It's, you know, guys, I'm looking for someone who can really help me support me. I need this. We have a prayer wall that you don't have to say who you are. You just say, hey, guys, I need some prayer right now. Can you say a prayer for me? And, you know, I am hoping that while I'm going to be out there kicking butt in the doctor's office, (laughs) that what's really going to help is this other side where we know that we're not all alone. because I think you're exactly right. I think, you know, and uh, we do have a couple of people who are licensed. I have degrees in counseling, but I'm not the one doing it, but we do have um, a couple of chaplains. We do have a couple of people who are licensed counselors who are going to be there hanging out just to, kind of support and you know and, and help somebody need it so I'm That's hoping but again we need, to get, we need to get word out we need to you know we need to let people know that it's there and I think exactly what you've been talking about is what this group needs to have as part of its structure and I so thank you for all of that it's it's clarified for me and I know that it's clarified for all of our listeners what what's needed and and how to go about doing it so I want before we close I want to know what you've got going on right now that you want to share with everybody okay um so This isn't for everyone, but if you feel like this could be useful for you. uh, What I have been working on for the past few years is something something called Avo Health. And it's an app, a smartphone app that you can download. And we're running a research study right now to understand how effective it is. The interesting thing about it is that we're trying to figure out how to personalize multidisciplinary care and education. So this isn't connecting you with a doctor or, or with a psychologist. You do get a fantastically compassionate coach. I love um, lab. <laughs> this is, fantastic. This is a, a, a beautiful human being. We, we've made it an effort to only hire beautiful human beings who have had lived experience with pain and other symptoms. So it's, um, it's a, working on different relaxation techniques, different uh, educational techniques, um, working through thoughts, working through emotions in your body, a lot of different uh, types of of focus. And what we do is based on your, uh, what you express you want to work on, and also some characteristics just about how you're dealing with your pain or symptoms. Um, We actually personalize the content that you receive. So each person gets a different order of the content. 
and it's based on a hypothesis of what will work best for you. So we give you initially the things that'll likely be more potent, most potent. But also during this whole journey, you have your own personal coach who you can talk with about goal setting, um, and it lasts for three months. Uh, it's totally free. So my my joy here is that um, it's you know giving people access to something that they may not get access to otherwise for completely free. You can try it out. If it doesn't work, that's cool. Because even whenever something doesn't quite fit, you're learning. You're learning, okay, I tried it out. That's not what I need. Or maybe you learned that something that you had dismissed before could be useful. So yeah, and I am actually, I am actually doing the program right now. I think I'm about a month in. And um really, really gives me some thoughts when I do it. Every morning it asks me to to judge my pain level and and you know, and it's it's really that in itself is interesting because I've had pain for so long that and and an older doctor of mine that I had years and years and years ago said he had never seen. In fact, he wrote a paper and presented it at a scientific convention about how I had the highest pain threshold of anybody he had ever seen in his life. And I'm going, not anymore. <laughs> but I don't, I haven't even thought about my pain levels in a long time. I just know that they're always there. So when I answer that question in the morning, well, what is your pain level? I'm going, well, I don't know. What is my pain level? You know what? I don't really hurt all that bad today. And, you know, I can put that in or, or, oh, geez, I didn't sleep at all, which is another thing that they ask is how was your sleep? And I go, I slept like crap last night. My pain levels of 35, you know, off the scale. So it gives me an awareness mm -hmm. of things that I didn't have before. Mm. which helps in the long run, because I know, well, maybe I can plan to do some things today that I can't do other days because my pain is lower today. Um, and then it also goes in and does, you know, it, it, it shows you um, positive talk as opposed to negative and, and some of the affirmations and, um, you know, it, it will do meditations. It'll teach you how to do these things. You can listen to different guided uh, meditations and some of them, I, I got kicked out of a biofeedback program because I, um, I was supposed to, I was supposed to focus on the most relaxing, amazing experience I could ever have. And when I did that, my biofeedback levels went through the roof. And when I thought about my office with all the people working and the phones ringing and money coming in and busy, 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 I it just bottomed out. <laughs> and the doctors looked at me and said, that's not the way this is supposed to work. You leave this program. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, the, it, it, is, it is one of the things that we have tried to do is make it a process of self-exploration where you can figure out what you like and what you don't like. The comments that, you know, we read the comments whenever you, so Vlad, Coach Vlad reads, every time you write something, he reads what you say, and he's tracking those patterns too. Um, but also this awareness, one of the interesting things that might be a, a useful tidbit to share with um, the audience 
is that whenever pain is on its way down, either it's on its way down or it's lower for you, that's one of the best times to learn because your brain is more open to new types of information. And whenever your pain is on its way up and super, super high, that's the time for self-soothing. Mm -hmm. So there's also in terms of how your brain works, um, just noticing that your brain is open to different amounts of information based on what your nervous system is doing. It's not going to be useful to try to force yourself to try a new coping mechanism. Whenever you're in the middle of a flare, that's not going to work. What you need is like just self-care and compassion, however much you can, you can bring to the situation. Yeah. And whenever you're in those periods of a little bit of relief, your brain is much more open to new types of learning. Yeah, I can, I can attest to that because that's what I'm seeing. So I think that's really good. How does someone get involved in the program? You go to www.avohealth.com and any button you, you hit will take you to the research study. And it's so A-I-V-O, right? A-I-V-O-H-E-A-L-T-H. I love it. I love it. When I first heard of it, I was going AVIO and not coming up with anything. And I'm going, <laughs> well, that's not right. So make sure that you do AIVO, guys. And I highly recommend you jump in. There's a world of good information and real helpful support within that. And it's on your phone. And it's like that commercial for uh, Shriners Hospital with a little kid in the wheelchair. And that's, they're asking for money. And he, you know, he's talking about picking up your phone and, and dialing in to, to support them. And he goes, I know you've got it with you. Well, I know you guys have always got your phones with you too. So <laughs> use it. <laughs> and one of the other things is we try to make it really simple. So, you know, after the first week, you then go into a series of tracks that are like very focused. They aren't going to overwhelm you. Um, so we try to also keep it very simple. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's something to try. And it's also, I'm a, I'm a big believer of, of experimentation. And also whenever you have a little bit of pain relief, noticing that, noticing that that's something that's contributing to your pain, it isn't a dead end. So this, this is applicable to any type of condition. Whenever you have a partial response, that means that you're getting it a certain percentage of what you're experiencing. It isn't a dead end. It's something just to keep in mind, like, okay, there, there was a little bit of a benefit here. I'm going to keep that in mind for the future. Yeah. Well, Dr. Farmer, I am so appreciative of you being here with us today and Absolutely. talking with us. And Absolutely. I love the program. The information will be in the show notes and okay. I will spread the word. I want to put you up as actually one of our resources on our website because I would be I proud. Think, I think It'd that's something honor. that would be very helpful to everybody out there. So Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for the work that you're doing. The heart that you're putting into this is it's just so pure. Well, I can. It, that's one of the reasons every time I've spoken with you, it's just so clear how you just it's your passion to 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 not only raise awareness, but to bring some humanity yeah. back to this experience, the experience of chronic illness. We've, we've got to do something because chronic illness is 
so bad and to not get any support from anyone just makes it that much worse so we're gonna get there but guys to wrap things up as I always do um, people are often asking me things about what we do at at, uh, Invisible Warriors and you heard a little bit today about that but I want to tell you real quick about a concert that we're having in June it will be live streamed if you can't get to Huntsville but there, Huntsville is considered the new music capital of the South. And we are trying to bring inspiration, enjoyment, the knowledge that we're not all alone, that there are lots of us out there that want to support and be a part of each other's lives and to help each other. So put June 3rd on your calendar for Huntsville, Alabama, and come on down to the concert. If you feel in your heart that there's something you can do to support us, time, talents, treasures, we're looking for all of that. I need somebody to do a flyer for me, you know, so I'm not just asking for money, but um, anybody who wants to support the concert, wants to come down and be a part of it, We welcome you, and you can find out more information about it on the website. So, guys, until next time, take care, get out there, be productive, and soar higher. Take care, y'all. Bye-bye.